episode 15 of a very, very intriguing season four of LOI Weekly. Uh, it's been a stop-start campaign for LOI Weekly and for the League of Ireland, but what a campaign we have with Dundalk really, really struggling now against Shamrock Rovers, and we're going to have a fascinating uh, last two-thirds or so of the season with myself, Johnny Ward, and Dan McDonald as ever. Today's show, we're going to have uh, audio from Patrick McElhenney, who spoke to Dan after the FEI Cup win over uh, Watford last night. Uh, that would have been Tuesday night. Conor McCormick's going to join us, and Ryan DeVries as well, who's been um, creating waves of Sligo Rovers. He's going to join us uh, and talk about their massive upsurge in form and also just how things have been going for him and Sligo in a bizarre year for us all. This obviously is episode 15 of season four. Again, we're going to thank our sponsors here, Lotto Land. Uh, you'll find all the odds and special bets for the rest of the SSE or Tristan league premier division season we're going to have a special for you as well check out lotoland.ie forward slash sportsbook and make sure to stay tuned in we'll be giving out some of the specials uh, during the show you can find us at podcast public spotify stitcher soundcloud itunes at loi weekly on twitter in association with airsport and independent.ie and we're going to also hear uh, from Derry city just on the departure of john hume very sad uh, month for the city uh, we'll, we'll also play that later on the show dan this has been a really really intriguing week i know you were in oriel last night I was in uh, Daily Mount and um, in the in the life of Dundalk FC with the, the Champions League draws we're going to talk about as well in the Europa League draws it's been an intriguing few days and intriguing is your word of the day I think John obviously it's, is yeah intriguing is everything is intriguing there's deep intrigue yeah there's Lots always a danger there was going to be like this with the season sort of resuming with so much at stake so like every result is analysed and and uh, you know, pulled apart. But I mean, you know, the facts are the facts, really. You know that the dog taking one point from six after you know from the restart, like you know, may, may cost them the league potentially. You know, yeah. it, it leaves them with a with a mountain to climb. Um, you know, at a, at with, with very little time really to make it up. And the fact that Rovers, who actually strangely enough, I'm not even sure that Rovers have played particularly well since the restart. I mean, Finn Harps at home was a game you would expect them to win. Um, they started it well in the trail off. In many respects, didn't play that well against Derry on Sunday and still won. But it's that old line about that's what champions do. Um, well, you're talking about sliding doors moments. So Hoban hits the crossbar early in the second half. You nearly think they would go on and win the game against Bowes, considering the position they'd put themselves in 2 0 down. If Hoban gets that goal, here we go. And then Derry like, really should have scored at the end. There's a, there's a massive swing here in those two games. No, there was, yeah, and like the the, the Derry Rovers game was was you know a, sort of a mad climax. And look, the Derry goal was fortunate too. To be fair, you know there was a bit of fortune about all the goals to some degree. Yeah, I mean, sort of man hit by fall, <laughs> Simpsons style. Um, but the the, the, uh, the what was impressive about Rovers really is that when they levelled at one all, you thought they're going to go and win this game now. Like it was just had that feeling. Probably a thing you might have looked at when you looked at even the dog a couple of years back. They had this ability to score all these late goals. Whereas this year, I think half of uh, Rovers' goals have come the last twenty minutes of games. Mm. And if you think about it, they were, I think it was on Kaiser and the Sun pointed this out that you know they were drawing with Bowes. And Sligo away, losing to Dundalk and losing to Derry with 20 minutes to go. And they won all of them. So, um, and, and even as well, had they managed to use their bench on Sunday, you know, that they, they were able to make the full quota of subs, which is obviously always going to be an advantage for the, for the top two teams. But it's one thing to just use the subs, just like throw them at it. 
but they seem to use them quite well. They rearranged their team. They moved Gary O'Neill to the back three at one stage, and then they were, you know, they 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 they, they went with a more, you know, Ferrugia, more traditional sort of left wing attacking role. They were just they were just mixing things up and around. Brought in Dean Williams, who's probably one of the not a fine because he's been there all along, but he's he's clearly matured as well. And um, they just they they just use their options pretty well, and and they 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 ground it out, but. I think again, like it's just because of the eighteen game season, it really, really means something. You know, at another time you might be thinking, Oh, you know, did did, did Rovers show Derry show how you take points off Rovers? Did they like, you know, the the method in which they frustrated them, does that does that sort of does that mean anything? Mm-hmm. You know? But um really this season is such a sprint now that it's just more so as we said last week, Rovers just need to really approach every game, you know, and, and they should they should fancy themselves in most games and they have a serious cushion now. I mean, their cushion is actually over Bowes. It's not over Dundalk. Yeah. And as much as I don't think, I don't think it's going to be a three horse title race. It is bizarre that the dog find themselves behind Bowes really coming up to the halfway point. Well, well, our erstwhile friend Rory O'Connor, I was like, geez, Bowes definitely have a shot at second place looking at this game. And he's like, why not Why not challenge for the title? The only thing is, if they defend well and keep Eakin out, draw like wins, they could kind of stay half in touch for a while. But that game was interesting because... I've never seen Dundalk, or rarely seen Dundalk, defend as badly. They look really, really open. Um, and Vinnie Perk seemed almost hurt afterwards that they could defend as badly as that. And also, Daniel Kelly was taken off. He, he was very petulant. He threw uh, his bottle into the stand. Apparently, he, he's, he threw his, his um, shirt at the dressing room door and all this. Clearly wasn't happy. And uh, I thought there were worrying signs for Dundalk. I thought their body language was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, now, you did speak to Patrick McElhenney uh, after the game last night, which they, they got back on track, and you also spoke about the European draws, which are fascinating. Yeah, well, let me say, so, yeah, I mean, they, they played Waterford last night in the FBI Cup, and there were six changes from the weekend. I think rotation, trying to get minutes in, possibly an element, too, of, um, yeah, I mean, Patrick McElhenney himself, we'll speak to, we'll hear from him in a minute. He came back in, which is massive, because I think... They've got a really, really strong squad. They don't really have an alternative to him, an obvious alternative to him. Mm. And I just think, even last night in the game, like they're just, it's just a bit laboured and they're struggling to create chances. Like, you know, their, their movement, I think you look at the movement of Rovers still and how their midfielders are moving and picking up positions and, and sort of running off and getting into, you know, just, just making little angles. Like they're not really aren't doing that that well in the opposition third, and they're just a bit sort of as I said still a bit predictable. And in fairness to Waterford last night, even you know, they conceded early, and you would assume, oh, well, they're not going to go on. And again, you know, they might they might they might win by a couple here because Waterford made six changes and left out some players like Brian mm. Murphy and, and others. But but Waterford just stayed competitive, and again, look, it just wasn't as if the dock were creating loads of chances. Now the only thing I'm trying to think here, um. Like they are gearing towards Europe, you know. In reality, in Europe, they're going to probably have to absorb a bit of pressure at times in the game, and you kind of wonder are they looking at midfield combinations, you know, with a view with Europe in mind in some strange way with Shields and Sloggett and. But it just seems almost a bit defensive and conservative at times. There's well, no the, one running the, behind the, the front man. You yeah, know? That, that midfield has been quite dysfunctional this season. I know McLean is going to talk about that. And um, they haven't really had a set kind of three um, for a long time with injuries and all that. They've been drawn against Celje as a Slovenian team. Um, not going to pretend I know much about this uh, team, Dan. But, you know, it's obviously a draw that they will be hoping to, um, you know, they, they, they've given themselves a, bit, a chance, you'd imagine. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it still was the toughest draw of the three in their pool. And the, all, all the teams, um, all the teams in Ireland uh, were, were effectively pooled. You know, in the Europa League, it was very green list favourable. Um, and even I think there was a pooling in terms of the Champions League um, that, you know, now we have a situation where that game with Celia is going to take place in, in Hungary. Um, and even before the game last night, we'll, we'll hear from Patrick McElhenney and maybe we can reflect a bit afterwards because I, I did speak to him during the piece with the news that broke before the game that football in Slovenia had been shut down for 10 days. And mm-hmm. there's almost a sense really with this that uh, there's a long time till, till next Wednesday because there was a situation yesterday with Linfield and, and, and the team from Kosovo. Um, with the game called off at late notice because of, of a negative, or sorry, of a positive test. And the doctor are being tested, they've tested themselves this week. And through UEFA protocols, they have to be tested before the games. That's similar to all the games next week. So you wouldn't be surprised if around Europe there was games affected, <laughs> the outcomes were affected by, by test results. But um, yeah, I spoke to Patrick McLennan, he was definitely very happy to get back on the pitch um, not long after he limped off against some Pats, and people were pretty worried. Patrick, I guess good to be back out on the pitch tonight after you went off injured against Pats. I think there was a few nervous looks from people. So I don't know how you were feeling at that stage, but you're back out not that long later. So yeah, um, uh, look, I'm just buzzing to get off healthy. To be honest, it's, mm. um, it's been a start. But um, as I said before, like my last competitive game, I think was my start was the semi-final away to Sligo in September or something. So right. it's been a long time. Yeah, um, been um, really frustrating. But look, it's um, it's just great to get the one tonight and uh, get back out there, you know. So what was the issue then in the Pats game? And was that the same issue that had held you up before? Or what's the? No, I've, I came back and felt really good. I actually trained really hard in the when we were off and came back, hurt my hamstring. Um, it was out for three weeks, I think it was. Mm. And then I came back and done two days training before the game, which is so I couldn't start the game and came on. And the minute in, done my groin. So um, it was a low grade, but... I'm a, kind of a master of muscle injuries at this stage, so yeah. I kind of knew where I was at with and um, had to get myself off, so it was just a low grade and um, I think it's, it's been nearly two weeks now since it's Yeah, been, yeah, it'd be almost, God, actually it'd be two weeks on Friday, two so, yeah. On Friday, so yeah. Um, I just came in and, and got loads of treatment and rehab and different sort of things, so um, look, I'm, I'm just buzzing to be back. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of times tonight you stretched out and you sort of got going, but what, was it one of those situations <laughs> where you're thinking... God has you know uh, nothing happened here. There's no point in lying. It was you know I'm sort of uh, throwing myself in the deep end because there's not that many games left and um, Champions League around the corner and I just I love to play so I really mm. want to get back and um, I'm not going to lie. The first couple of runs I was like oh, yeah, but um, I got through it. Um, I know it's not a good way to be playing, but. Um, I'm free it now, you know. What was the discussion with the with with staff with Vinny? Because obviously they're desperate to have you back. You're desperate to be back. But I mean, w- was there a discussion about God should we should we rush it here, or was it just a sense of no, um, let's go for it? Okay, yeah, it's a, well, it's a it's a group discussion. It's not just me, you know. Mm. Obviously, I want to play, and um, I just wanted to get back out. And I said, look, if if I break down, I break down. But I need to get back because I want to be playing the Champions League. It mm. it doesn't come round every. Every so often, and um, I know me, just speaking on behalf of myself, it's it's what you play for. Like it's um, it doesn't come around, so I'm looking forward to that now, and, and hopefully try and get myself under the team. How do you assess like the form since the break? Because obviously it's you know, there's been disappointment. There's no point disguising it. There, there has been. I know you've had the win tonight, but what do you think it is? Is it just struggling to click after the break? What's what's 
what's your take on it? It's been tough. Like we obviously there's no getting away. We've had two bad results. Um, we have a lot of new players um, settling on period. It's, it's kind of like a pre-season again. There's no point mm-hmm. in laying. It is like it's um, getting back and, and playing 11, 11 aside games whenever you couldn't really get that many friendlies in and and trying to gel. There's a whole lot of things and. But you can just put it down to us not being good enough in the games, and that's how that's how I see it. That's how the boys see it. Um, but look, we we got to win the night, and um, we have a game now on Friday before the Champions League comes around, and we've had a lot of injuries too. We've yeah. had loads ends and out. I think our midfield three has been upset for this past two years. You know, it's it's been crazy. Um, majority being me, so <laughs> unfortunately, but. Um, Look, it's, we're just um, looking forward to the Champions League now and, and um, Friday night. It's an, it's an actually mad stat that that's your last start, you know, to, to go back to the Sligo game. I think I mean, it is, I mean, Yeah, sure. but it's a, I mean, that's, that's pretty frustrating, I can imagine, like in terms of your just week to week and then we're heading into another, unfortunately, yeah. long break at the end of this season too. I know. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's the way I seen it. As soon as we were told we couldn't play anymore, I was like, oh my God, like, what's, what's next, you know? Um, and then coming back, I trained so hard to, to get myself right and came back flying, broke down again. I was like, what do I have to do kind of thing? But uh, Sligo was the last game really and um, I'm just glad to be out there to be honest. And, mm. um, just take it each game as it comes now and I'm still only 27 so I have those left. Yeah, I'm not, not going to so, write you off here, um, you know. Same as. Like, did, so the Champions League is obviously a great buzz but it's a bit of a different buzz this year. You know, you're normally talking about I don't know, going to Bate or Rosenborg or some arena and some venue, and now we're we're talking about a neutral ground in in the middle of Hungary. But is it still the same excitement when you see the draw and, and all that sort of stuff? It is like it is for well, just speaking on behalf of myself, like I love it. Like I sitting up waiting for it in the morning, you know, waiting in the draws, and there's the whole lot of the boys are the same. Um, it's what we play for. Like mm. we won titles, they get these these moments, and we have to grasp them. You know, it's it's um it's a tough draw. But um, it's an away game for them too. That's how I see it. I think they have to travel. I'm not sure how they're going to get there. Yeah. If it's flight or bus, I think they're in a border country. Yeah, right? and, and their league's just been shut down now for yeah, for. So it's it's it feels like every time we talk about coronavirus, something changes. You know, within 24 hours. But at this stage, it seems fine. But it's obviously a weird one because I got the impression that the club are going to try and watch the two games in the coming week and those games are off so your homework's going to be on a couple of weeks ago or whatever yeah. it's a strange one isn't it Like yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely it, different because we can't we can't go watch them they, yeah. well I suppose they could watch us um, but they haven't played in a few weeks mm. right? they haven't yeah their season game. finished July 22nd it's not so, that long ago but yeah so it, it sort of has its pros and cons in a sense but um, look we just have to do the business um, take care of Friday night now against Waterford and then it is a big lead up and did everybody gets properly under it, mm. you know, and gets studying and um, look forward to it. Do you think in a sort of a strange way as well that you, you tend to, there tends to be a lift with the European games and maybe even you can carry that into the league games around it then too, just to get your levels up or whatever it is? Could, like 1-1, one, one, could spark you, you know, um, could knock you on for the rest of the season and, and you could tick off and like we obviously have the Slovenians first and we're not looking past that I suppose but we have a home draw after if, if we mm. get free and there's no point in anybody like we have to think about it you know yeah of course yeah, it's pretty natural it's, um, it's a massive opportunity somebody said you have the Slovenian champions and the Norwegian champions they get into a playoff to get into a league yeah fight their hand off well I would like so um, something we have to look forward to in Wales you know it's um, 
But I think we have to take care of Friday first. Yeah, because in a sense, you need. There's, there's obviously, I spoke to David McMillan last week, and it is a weird one, an 18 game season. Yeah. There's a lot of focus on it. But in a way, is Europe a distraction from maybe that just to really focus the minds on the European games next week? I think it is. Like it's, I don't think it's 18 games. I'm not mad about it, to be honest. It's, um, it's a bit false. It's not ideal, but um, it is what it is. But as you say there, like Europe, we, we can all look forward to it and um, try to take your mind off of, off of here for a bit. And, um, it's the best competition in the world, so what else would you rather be doing? I suppose a couple of things from that interview, Dan. Every time you hear Patrick McElhinney, you think, Jesus, this like could just be consistently fit. But I think the main thing that really shone in that interview was how much he wants to play in Europe. It seems to trump even big league games, possibly even big games in the FAI Cup for him. He's a, he's a guy who has the technical talent, obviously, to prosper in Europe. Um, the counter-argument would be, I don't see Dundalk going into this game at the moment in any sort of form where I'd be confident that they'd actually win. Yeah, I mean, like, as I said... Unless the, there's just a real focus on, on building towards this game. Uh, but, I mean, like you know, considering how important winning the league is to, to their ambitions. And you, you mentioned, like, you know, did, Daniel Kelly was unhappy last week. Um, you know, Sean Gannon struggled against Tordek. Very he did, he did. Dummy against started last night. Now, he Dane Massey didn't last, play well. He might have started last night anyway, but... Uh, Dummig and Dimitrov injured and, and, and you know, it was unlucky. But again, it's when you have a situation where you have like you have new recruits coming in and, and there's always going to be a focus on new recruits and, and, and how things are working. And, and often at those clubs, like, you know, they're better in their second season than their first. But in, in, well, in that event, then you obviously need your more established players to be performing. And uh, they haven't really been to some to some respect, you know. Um, Kolovich looks bit, defined, in fairness. And, Kol- you know, Kolovich, yeah. And I actually feel a bit sorry for Huben, actually, because I don't think he's actually mm. done much wrong. I actually just don't think he's he's necessarily getting uh, you know, the, the service. You know, well, I think he's still he's, six goals or whatever. Like, so yeah, he's, like yeah. He's, he's actually dropping. Like, I actually think he's his form. He actually looks reasonably sharp himself, I think. But um, like, well, they started he, Kolovich in the 10 position against Bowes. You mentioned, obviously, that McElhinney's been out and all that. Then they moved him to the right when... Dan Kelly went off, which was kind of a you know an indication this isn't really working. And Huben does thrive with the, with the players around him, which I, I I agree with you. I don't think he's doing much wrong at all. Yeah, and we look, we actually just talked about maybe Kolovich in the ten last week, and that just didn't work. And and Bowes are very like again, like you can't make it all of them dark. Like the, the Bowes mm. were very like you know they they were very well set up, you know, that they were able to sort of neutralise the dog's threat, but then, like, break very quickly and effectively. And they found gaps, and like, the amount of chances they created. So, Unbelievable. Like, like, this is... So, I, I yeah. Don't, uh, so, Selji, right? I mean, again, there's an element of bluffing when you talk about them because we haven't seen them. And actually, the fact that their two games are being called off this week is a, a bit annoying for the dog because I know they were planning to have them, uh, to watch them. But their league actually only finished on July... 22nd. Now, this is a tough draw because the only reason that, that the, the champions of Slovenia are unseeded is because um, it's, 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 it's basically because it's all about the club ranking rather than the country ranking. Yeah. Like if, they if will Mar- be favourites. Like. like Maribor, you know, from Slovenia, like, they're, like the dogs' coefficient ranking is very good. And like Maribor's is almost double that. And Selye finished ahead of them. Now, so they're a team who... Uh, they have a reputation for almost being like a UCD type operation and that until recently they didn't sign players over the age of 23. Right. Um, it was their centenary year last year, the first time they've ever won the league. 
um, but they have a lot of good, talented young players. The one thing that they don't have is any European experience, but they have a lot of under-21 internationals. Um, so by all accounts, Nathan Aduet and Doc are actually played in Slovenia. And I think you know, people have been asking him his opinion. And I think he's, he said they're a pretty good side. I think they seem to, have, to be particularly strong in, in the forward departments. So you're hoping from the dog's point of view that, that, that okay, they, they, they're only a couple of weeks out of action, but you know, could they be losing the games? Could that affect them in some respects? There's obviously nerves for them too, because I think the dog will probably be the seeded team they would have wanted. And all of a sudden, it's like a door opening for them. But the fact that the sure. games they moved out of Slovenia to you know, this, weird game, this weird site of a very important game for two teams uh, taking place you know, in, a, you know, in, in Hungary... Kind of reminds you vaguely of Dundalk and Linfield. Where did that take place? In Holland? Oh, it was Harlem. In Holland yeah. it was, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, so they, but I think they got the boat home together or they got the, the flight home together and had a few <laughs> drinks or whatever. Jim McLaughlin sure if... and uh, who was the Linfield manager at the time? Oh, it was Roy Coyle. Roy, Roy Coyle, Coyle, yeah. The, for the two but, boys were best buds, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But it, so it's, it's, like it's a really high-stakes game, but just a really weird uh, way for it to be, to be played out. But it, it's, it's, it's just like... the. It does like you know the fact that it's been moved away is definitely a bit of good luck for Dundalk. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, um, um, but they could have played like since they've like they've worked so hard to be seeded mm-hmm. that you know you, you would think that one year you would get that team from the Pharaohs or that team, but actually, like there's actually there's not really an abundance of like quote unquote like easy draws yeah, yeah. there because they have this preliminary round that they have to play through almost to get into it they're all the teams you would you would like to be getting really you mentioned um, um you mentioned Hungary Bows have been drawn against Fervar um of Hungary as well which uh, I imagine is going to be very tough for them Rovers playing Tampere from Finland what about the what about that the political aspect of that game John well you're going to have to explain that to me you see you've spent too much time on your bike to be honest you're completely you know, you, you've been too busy exploring the countryside and you're missing all these angles. So, Fairvar are formerly Videoton, uh, who, are, who are strongly affiliated with Viktor Orban. Right. The, well, uh, is, is this, does, does, does this mean Bose actually mean a lot more? Because Bose have, like, the self-proclaimed sort of... Well, yeah. You have Viktor Orban's team <laughs> who, are, who are, you know, who, who have a, a wing that don't appear to be particularly welcome to... Uh, say outsiders coming into their country. Obviously, Hungary's political situation at the moment is pretty. Um, you know, it, 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 the, the political spectrum is, is questionable. Uh, and you've got a team that would have refugees welcome on an away mm. shirt. So it's a, it's a. This is the social derby. You know, it's the. Yeah. So it's now obviously there's no fans traveling to it. Um, and I was told that Bose have registered their blue away kit uh, with UEFA, not and the refugees. Bose another away one. kit, do they? They have another one which they register for UEFA, but if there's a colour clash or something, who knows? It might suddenly mm. come back into play, whether it counts as a political message. But there's, a, there's an angle to that one. Shamrock Rovers, yeah, at home to Ilda's Tampere from Finland. Again, all these Rovers, are one-legged ties. Well, it's kind of generalising here, but Rovers would, would fancy themselves generally. They've done well against Scandinavian opposition. I think they, they would fancy themselves, particularly the... Like, their Rovers' European stuff has been very, very good. Yeah, and I wrote a piece about this the other day that I, I actually just assumed that because Rovers, say, haven't been in Europe... Okay, they've been in every year, but they haven't necessarily gone on like a, an amazing run, right? They haven't gone... This, I just sort of assumed that, okay, if Rovers win the league, one of the things we're going to have to put up with is that they'll be unseeded next year. So they could just get that, you know, mm. that, that, that nightmare draw at the first hurdle and make things complicated for them. But actually, I then looked at it and I realised that Rovers, from competing consistently and getting through around a couple of years, 
really, if they get through a round this year, um, they'd have a very good chance of being seeded if they win the league and in the Champions League next year. If they win two rounds this year, an even stronger one. And the one thing is, this is the last year of the European draws where our three teams go into the Europa League. Yeah. Next year, it's a new league called the Europa Conference League, which is it's going to be the same for a lot of our clubs. They just need to figure out what the prize money is going to be like, which is a bit up in the air. It sure. could be a bit of a setback if it goes down. But effectively, the, the, the Conference League... Is, is going to be like you have to get through four rounds to get into it. But our champions next year, it's the best year to win the league possible because at the moment, obviously, if the Dundalk lose to Celia, um, they, they, they go into the Europa League and they have that parachute. But from next year, the champions, they play their champions game, whenever they get knocked out, if they get knocked out, hopefully they go all the way. But whenever they get knocked out, uh, they go into the Europa League. But then after that, if they get knocked out of the Europa League, they go into the Conference League. So really, if they can win their first tie in the Champions Massive. League, their, their minimum, their guaranteed, is a playoff to get into the, the Conference League. Mm. You know what I mean? So like, there's, there's a real chance. And the UEFA have built this around trying to get champions from smaller countries um, more, more games in, in Europe, you know? So uh, it's a great time to be a champion. Maybe not a, such a great time to be one of the other clubs, but... I spoke previously in the pod about how maybe Rovers, you know, um, maybe Europe wouldn't be the be-all and end-all for them this year, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, there's real motivation for them to do well. I know beyond the financial stuff, and I'm sure players will have bonuses and stuff, they'll have plenty of reasons to, to, to do well. But club-wise, there's actually a real, there's a lot of stuff to gain from Europe this year because they are favourites to win the league. So I don't think it's cocky to think in that way about what the implications would be for them next year. And Conor McCormick would have great memories of Shamrock Rovers, obviously. Uh, they're European, obviously, going back to the start of the decade, actually. This, uh, I'm talking 10 years ago now. Conor's been around a long time, a native of Dundalk, um, who obviously was, I suppose, mostly remembered for how good he was for John Caulfield in Cork City. Now with Derry City. And uh, let's get to Conor now, because uh, Derry City were actually drawn against FK Ritteri from uh, Lithuania, which is going to be a, a, probably a difficult tie, although... Uh, Irish sides tend to do quite well against teams from Lithuania and Latvia and so forth. Uh, let's get to Connor. Connor, what's the crack? All's good, Johnny. All's good. Uh, people won't be able to watch this because it's obviously audio only, but we're on Zoom here. You're looking particularly tanned. Yeah, well, look, um, the good weather, you have to make the most of it, Johnny, I suppose. Like, like we've had two days of good weather, but you obviously did make the most of it. <laughs> well, you have to, don't you? You don't get to... Too many good days around here, so uh, you just have to make the best of it, I suppose. In, in terms of like the A to Z of a weirdness of the year, you getting a goal has to be right up there. And your goal against Pats was an absolute beaut. It was, yeah. Um, I don't know what I was doing so far up the pitch. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I don't usually get up that far. But uh, no, like we've seen that uh, we were 1-0 up. And uh, to be fair, uh, Pats were kind of coming into it. And uh, we've seen our chance. Um, I think Stevie Mallon pressed the ball up on the left wing. On, give us bundles of energy, and um, Pats took a short throw, and then we pressed them high up the pitch, and they coughed it up. And luckily, it sat lovely for me, and uh, I've just bent it into the bottom corner. So I was delighted with that. Now you were commenting, Dan, that like Rovers uh, didn't really get their rhythm going against Derry and Sunday, that their midfield system was disrupted, and obviously that was something that impressed you as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm interested in Connor's view because, like, uh, I don't know what your emotions are coming off the pitch on Sunday. I imagine you're pretty. You know, pretty miffed because you've done a lot of the hard work in that game and then it just disintegrated in that short window. I mean, do you take positives from it or is it just that utter frustration that to some degree you let it slip maybe? 
Yeah, look, it, like it was very disappointing. Um, look, we had a game plan, um, and I know that they have a lot of ability in the centre of the pitch, and um, Declan and the backroom staff had like uh, had it off to a tee for us. Um, you know that we were building up to that game, and we knew if we could disrupt them in the middle, that uh, you know if we break or like I get a chance, then we took it, and uh, we were one nil up, obviously coming into the break. Um, and then, like, uh, the two goals, I mean, <laughs> like, uh, mm. such bad luck. Like, it's such bad luck. Like, you know, like, uh, we wanted to force them wide, and uh, we did. But, unfortunately, we didn't block the cross. And, like, I don't know, it's, it's come off the post. And here, uh, Colin Horgan, like, he was running in to clear it. And, you know, it's just hit off him and gone in. Uh, like, I don't know uh, how, but, um, unfortunately. <laughs> is it too, like, is it too early to joke about it with him yet? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's too raw. But at what point can you broach that topic, you know? I don't know, like I'm a bit, um, like yeah, it's a bit hard for me to even say it myself because I'm so disappointed that yeah. we didn't get anything out of the game. I think like, we definitely deserve to get something from it, um, you know, but look, uh, I'm sure that we can like uh, joke about it now in like a while because it is pretty funny, but like it's just unfortunate the way it fell and the way it happened. Yeah, because do you think maybe you were almost a bit shocked from the first goal that you conceded the second? It was almost just like that classic one that you concede and you're just the momentum suddenly swings their way and all just the game, the whole dynamic of the game just changed for a couple of minutes. It does like, because we put so much effort into stopping them. Like, as I said, they're like around the middle of the park to have probably the best, like the best four or five uh, midfielders in the country to tell you the truth. And uh, like, that was our game plan to stop them from shooting from uh, like outside the box as we've seen, like uh, they can hit them from anywhere. Jack or, uh, Jack or Aaron McEnough or uh, uh, like a Graham Burke, uh, like we've seen mm. them over the years that they can hit them in the top corner from uh, wherever, like, you know, so that's like, we put a lot of, like a lot of energy into stopping them in the middle of the park. And it was just like at the way they ended up scoring um, across, I think it was Gaffney from out wide and it was a flick on hit the post and obviously Colin Horgan, you know, like uh, unfortunately it hit him and went in. Um, you know, like I said, to concede a goal like that, so scrappy, like after putting so much effort in to stop them, was a bit uh, heartbreaking to tell you the truth. And maybe we were a bit dazed then for a couple of minutes afterwards and we kind of switched off then for the second. Um, like it was another scrappy goal. And, but look, like uh, we stuck at it and only for Alan Manis then, uh, like uh, right at the end to pull off an unbelievable save. Um, you know, that we would have got something from it. But look, uh, Sherman Grovers are top of the table for a reason and they're a really good squad and really good team. So, um, uh, we just have to take the positives into the next game, I suppose. What's the thought process there? You know, you're not going to say, oh, like, we, you know, we want to win the league or whatever. Or we we want to do this, we want to do that. But, like, where's the dairy assessment of where the league is at the moment? Obviously, you want to target Europe. But, like, the way Dundalk are playing, is second place of possibility this season I know it's an abridged season but you put it up to Shamrock Rovers probably should have gotten a result and we're really really good against Pats I thought as well and as well as that like a lot of depth to that squad this year in Derry Yeah well, look uh, we've a lot of players that came in and that weren't available there for the last few games uh, now uh, thankfully I think the, the next game everyone's available now and we have strength and depth and look uh, Derry have built on like uh, their success, like obviously from last year they got into Europe, but no one kind of expected them. Uh, Declan, Declan's backroom team, uh, like I uh, got his team together and they played really well uh, last mm. year. And uh, like obviously this year they wanted to push on, and uh, we've Europe to look forward to as well. But look, um, obviously Shamrock Rovers are kind of running away with it now at the minute. But look, um, I wouldn't say that anything else is, you know, like uh, 
you're not able to hit them targets like second, third or fourth. But look, uh, like if we could just get into the top four and then we can see then, um, look, uh, because like uh, we have a good squad and then we can take points of any team. So like uh, afraid of really. Um, so hopefully now between now and the end of the season, we can pick up as many points as we can and uh, hopefully get us into the top four anyway. You, you mentioned, you, I was going to say, sorry, Johnny, yeah. the, it's obviously we've almost had two different parts of the season with before the break and afterwards, but you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but it's just like, it seems actually that, that on Sunday you did well, but maybe the home form has been the slight disappointment that your away games, you've been very effective, but for some reason, it's just a couple of the games at home. It just hasn't clicked the Sligo game, even the Finn Harps game. Like, is, is there any, any particular reason for that? Is it, have you been comfortable when you've gone away to teams with a game plan, but found it harder to dominate the game at home? Or is there anything in that? Yeah, um, I just think that we've been a wee bit unfortunate, I think, for the goals that we conceded. I think there were lots, like a sloppy goal. I think even uh, Finn Harps, the first game of the season, it was a mistake. Like, uh, we had the ball in our own, uh, our own half. I think it was a throw and it was a mistake. Um, I think... Away to Dundalk then, our second game was a set piece with 10 minutes to go. Uh, one of the defenders slipped again and, you know, and obviously the two goals there the other night. Um, so I don't think we're too far away, but hopefully we can start, um, you know, like uh, defending maybe we were better, maybe the concentration levels just have to go up a little bit. But um, I don't think we're too far away. But um, like obviously the Sligo result at home, at home after the break was very disappointing there. We didn't show up at all and... Uh, we had a good chat about that afterwards, and um, look, and then we went up and uh, beat Pats comfortably enough, I think, in the end, um, and obviously put a good display in against Shamrock Rover. So hopefully, we can build on them positives now, and uh, we can forget about like uh, like uh, the results that haven't gone away this season. Just we're going to talk a bit about Europe, but just reflecting on your own career, obviously, you had, you had a, an interesting uh, time of it before the League of Ireland, and. We're thinking yeah. back, like it's nearly 10 years now since you started off with Rovers and you had like an early European odyssey. But how do you reflect on your career? You, you obviously joined your boyhood uh, dream club, Man United as well, had a spell uh, on the continent and uh, now you've done the rounds of the League of Ireland. Yeah, look, I suppose it is a bit of a merry-go-round. Uh, yeah, no, like obviously I went away like, uh, when I was a kid to, to learn my trail, I suppose, as you say. Um, and it's, uh, I got a chance to move to Italy and uh, I snapped that up. And uh, What was that like? like? I was yeah, it was it was mad, Johnny. You know, like I had to go, like because not many players, even like uh, from Ireland or Britain, like went like I went to Europe and uh, experienced different cultures and different uh, like uh, football games, I suppose. And uh, like even for yourself, um, as a, like a life experience, learning a new language and meeting different people and different foods and all that kind of stuff. Um, Italian women and so on. <laughs> you know yourself uh, I wish I did no he doesn't yeah. no he doesn't <laughs> yeah so that was all part of it as well yeah that was all part of the deal when I went over there no, um, no but, like, I enjoy that now so I did like and I think it's um, like it's really helped me obviously you know like uh, further my game and um, look I've come back now as you said there's nine or ten years I think since I come back and joined Michael O'Neill's team um, at Shamrock Rovers and look I've enjoyed every minute of the League of Ireland so far what was Michael O'Neill like? I'm always intrigued. I've spoken to a few lads that played under him um, and they speak like he's, he's, he's a completely different manager to, for example, Stephen Kenny or whatever, but like just seemed, the, the, there, was, there was just universal admiration for him from lads I spoke to, I suppose. Yeah. No, look, he, like he was a great manager for me. Um, like he was excellent. Uh, like I came in as a bit of an unknown and uh, he wasn't afraid to throw me straight into the deep end. Uh, mm. they, just won the, uh, they just won the league, I think, and 
the year before. I think Juventus beat them, I think, in, in Europe, actually. And um, Lucky just wasn't like afraid to like, chuck me in in the big games and stuff, you know, I, like I was only 20, 21. Um, and so I got on really well with him. Um, look, and we had a good season that year. And uh, to be fair, he's probably one of the best uh, managers that I've worked under. He was honest and um, look, he didn't complicate the game too much. As you can see, like a lot of his teams and a lot of his performances, the results he gets is down to hard work and working your socks off. And he's no time for the players that uh, aren't willing to do that. And um, look, uh, I think that's okay, that's part of my game as well, to, to tell you the truth, that... Uh, that I would work hard for him and like mm. he like knew what he was going to get really. Um, so look, I really enjoyed playing under him to tell you the truth and uh, uh, we had a good spell there. Connor, there's been a bit of debate in the last couple of weeks. Not sure if you've even noticed any of it. I think Brian Kerr spoke about how he felt maybe the league levels-wise might have gone down a bit in the last decade. I saw Conan Byrne maybe arguing maybe the opposite view. Actually, it just struck me to ask you because this almost reflects your entire time in the league from joining in 2011 till now. Like, where do you see the league now compared to the league you came into? Like, how does it sort of compare? Um, I would say it's, I think football's developed. Um, obviously, uh, like, even the short time that I've been here, um, as I said, like, there from the time that we were on, uh, like, under uh, Michael O'Neill and Shamrock Rovers, you know, like, it was about grafting and working so hard. And, look, okay, we had good players as well that could play, but... Um, a lot of the squad was built around like good characters, good, you know, like uh, lads that would work their socks off. But I think like now, as you can see, like the, there's a lot more technical ability players, you know, and um, probably a lot more players go over abroad to England now um, from the league. Now, so I wouldn't say the standards dropped. I'd say the, the technical side of things have got a lot better. Um, you know, so like, uh, it, like, I suppose it is hard to, hard to, um, you know, like uh, from the first time, like uh, from 10 years, like it is hard to like uh, make the comparisons really. But um, no, so I would just say that it's probably technically it's got a lot better. Like mm. uh, there's a lot of good players in the league um, from from the first time that I've come come, come back. That's interesting. Like cause I've, I've heard some people speak about that point before that maybe it's not as intense as it was. It's not as frenetic as it was. So yeah. it's a different type of game. So then... Does that mean that you're more suited when you go to European games like you have coming up as opposed to, you know, a contrast from the, the week to week or, or how does it operate? You know, how, like, how do you feel about going to European football then with some of the players you, you mentioned that are around the league now? Yeah, I'd agree that. Like, um, I think that it would be a bit like, like uh, it is a benefit now to teams obviously going into Europe because they're playing better brand of football. Uh, the clubs in the league are playing a like a far better brand of football and like it does help them when you do go into Europe and you always see then uh, like obviously Stephen Kenny was a prime example of that at Dundalk that like a, the team that he assembled there and the football that they played was outstanding to tell you the truth and uh, look and obviously like a Shamrock Rovers are building a you know like a, a great set up there now as well they're great technical players and I'm sure they'll um, like uh, they'll do pretty well as well and uh, like even us now like at Derry as well so Declan and his team is have us all set up and like you know that we have good technical players now as well so hopefully then that uh, we can get round that we can get through a round or two in Europe uh, this year and you know like I go from strength to strength there really so and it, like a Bose as well they have some like a great young technical players as well so 
um, I'm sure that will stick for them. Mm. It's a young league too, isn't it? I mean, all of it, it doesn't take long to become a senior player in the league now, unfortunately. You know, that you look at the likes of yourself and Keith Buckley and, and a few others that have been around for, again, yeah. most of the decade. Like, you're not exactly surrounded by a load of, like, you know, lads your own age. It's, it's, mm. It seems to be getting younger year on year. Well, it's like, say, two lads you played with, um, McNulty and Manus, who are goalkeepers. And after that, you're kind of very much clutching at straws for elderly lads in the league, like. Yeah, basically, yeah, like, uh, that's kind of the difference, I suppose, from, like, uh, the first time that I came into the league, like, uh, there was a lot of experienced players, um, you know, and, like, uh, towards now, like, like as you said there, there's not many, like, like I'm, like, I just turned 30 and I'm probably one of the oldest at Derry now, you know, and, mm. like, I'd like to think of a couple of more years left, but, um, you know, like, in previous years that you wouldn't have seen that, you would have seen a 30-year-old as, you know, well, not in his prime, yeah, but I suppose, like, in Fair their prime. Like, yeah. A halfway Just, mark on a team, maybe, yeah. yeah, in terms of age or whatever, you know? So. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, and, like, I think, like, at us, I'm not even sure that, um, I think, bar Peter Cherry, maybe, maybe uh, Connor Clifford is probably the only ones that maybe played in Europe then as well, you know? Um, not sure if many, in, like, at the Bose team have, uh, like, played in Europe then as well. So, you know, like... You know, like uh, it is a big difference, obviously, from like I was saying there, from probably the ten years ago since uh, like I come back in, like uh, the least, like uh, less experienced players are like age-wise anyway. What do you know about your Lithuanian opposition in the Europa League? You've been drawn against FK uh, Ritterai, if I pronounce it correctly, um, and without uh, I don't know anything about these lads apart from the fact that I presume you're targeting uh, a win with some sort of confidence. Yeah, well, look, like uh, there's never any easy games in Europe, Johnny. To tell you the truth, uh, no matter what, uh, no matter how form, like like uh, where they're from or what form they're in or where they are in the league, and that. Uh, well, no League of Ireland team can ever take any European team for granted. It's as simple as that. As much progress as we've made, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So look, uh, we won't we won't go in there thinking that we're going to you know like a brush them aside or anything. We still have a game plan. I'm sure we'll do our work like like homework on them and. Um, I think we have to fly over there. Um, I think we're playing in their national stadium. Um, so, look, it's a one-off game as well, so it's only 90 minutes. So, you know yourself, anything can happen in 90 minutes. So, but look, uh, we'll be well prepared. And, look, uh, we have a couple of games coming up and hopefully we can get a, a bit of momentum going into that. We have Cork and... Um, sorry, we have Shells and then Cork uh, leading into it. So, hopefully, yeah. a bit of momentum uh, going into that. And... Um, like we'll fancy ourselves then, hopefully. Yeah, it's, it's sort of different, isn't it? Because all the European games you've played, you generally go somewhere like this and talk about we need to get an away goal. Or, or you know, it's always that sort of whole language. It's, yeah, it's different, these ties. They're going to be strange, aren't they? Because, you know, you've been involved in so many cup games that once you get to 60 minutes, the people, you know, the, 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 the whole thing sort of changes. You know, all of a sudden, like the underdogs will fancy themselves, whoever they are, of taking yeah. it all the way. It's going to be completely different. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, and especially with the like the no fans, you know, mm. like playing against, you know, like you can go to these places and it's very hostile, and you know, uh, the, you know, like shouting all sorts of abuse from the stands, um, you know. So, like, it is like it probably does make it easier for the away team, obviously going there, and um, that you wouldn't be as, um, you know, like uh, you can go and probably go and get a result, whether. Like uh, years before, you were like, right, we go over and get a, you know, uh, keep it tight, and you know, like we don't concede, mm. you know, get a draw or something, then bring them home. But look, that's not the case. It's a ninety-minute game, as to say, unless it's a draw goes into extra time and that. But um, yeah, so it will be strange. But look, um, I'm sure we'll have our homework done, and hopefully that we can exploit our uh, weaknesses and uh, get the result that we want.
What's your standout European memory from your time in the league? Is there a, you, t- you talk about hostile crowds? Is there one game that's one place or one venue you went to that sticks in your mind? Um, we played we played Pauk away. In, oh yes, yeah. You were at that game, Dan. The atmosphere before the game there was unbelievable. It was the Guns and Roses music or something. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was outrageous. Yeah. Um, I missed the. I missed the Belgrade second leg. I got injured in the first leg, um, but the lads say that that was incredible as well. Mm. And like even they clapped, clapped Shamrock Rovers off, yeah. like, like the squad off and that. Um, no, there was some, there was some great, great times. Like even uh, Legia Warsaw there a couple of years ago um, with Cork um, and obviously Tottenham then as well. Um, I think <laughs> not a bad list. Not a bad list. He played well in Pauk as well. That was the one game you probably you should he have did. got something out of that trip, really. Yeah, yeah. I think. Scored, I think Shep scored a header. Um, yeah, so I, like I think it ended was a two one or three one. Yeah, maybe. two one. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it was like it was a great experience, and obviously playing against the top elite, you know, and uh, obviously that trip down the White Hart Lane then as well, and um, it was fantastic. It seems like you've played for nearly every big club in Ireland except Dundalk, which would be a local one, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I uh, actually think you'd, I think you'd be a, a prime candidate to get a game for Dundalk at the moment to shake up their midfield. But we're going to end up with a little uh, reflection on where you are now at Derry City, obviously, because Derry lost um, its longtime club president, John Hume, last week. A very emotional time for the city, obviously. And before the game uh, on Sunday when they played Shamrock Rovers, Sean Barrett, who's now the CEO, he just spoke of uh, the Derry man and his impacts on the club and the city. John, the first home fixture for Derry City Football Club since this sad passing of John Hume. It is a home fixture, albeit without fans, so a bit of a strange occasion. But for those that don't know, just how closely linked were John Hume and Derry City Football Club? Oh, they were massively joined. That was an old Derry saying, you would say, uh, John was here at every home game. John was uh, is our president for the last 21 years, and you know, and it was great to see because he was such a stature of a man. I mean, I heard Tony Blair and him call him a titan, and basically that's what he was. But here he was just a dairy man. He was a dairy supporter. Came and supported the club. Came every week, supported the team, set up a cup of tea at half time. Big supporter. Went the oh, like I remember, I can remember Declan actually. He's a manager here now, giving him the FAA Cup in 2012 in the Aviva Stadium. He was a colossus around this city, but he was ultimately a dairy city fan, and he loved the club, and he went the every game in fact it could even go back to the time we were in Monaghan in the first division and one of our directors Martin Mullen took him to the game because he wanted to be at the game he was going to miss the game he travelled with us regularly with a chairman different chairman so he's been a big big part of the Irish City Football Club And he, he was a ball boy here, I believe, in his youth yeah, as well. Apparently in his youth, before my time, I have to say. <laughs> now, yeah, but no, he was a ball boy and he went through the ranks. As I say, he was everything about Derry and he loved not just the city, but the club. I, I remember, no, there's always, Anthony, don't you remember in football, but I remember walking out of the ground here one time. We were playing, I think it was ironically, around about Shelburne. We were playing Shelburne and, and a guy came walking around, just alone my road, and he says, uh, How did you do the night? And I was from behind John, right? And uh, I, could just, I was over here in a conversation, and John says, Where are you from, son? He says, oh, I'm from uh, I'm from Foyle Road. He says, well, it's not how did you do tonight, it's how did we do tonight? Because you're from this city and you're a part of this club like everybody else. Yeah. When you go to other places in Ireland, you go to Dublin or Belfast, you've got Bowes and you've got Shamrock Rovers, you've got Pats, and Derry have just got Derry City. And John was so proud of that, and we are all so proud of it. But we were so proud of him because he was a colossus of a man, and it, it's, what he did for this club was fantastic. One of his great, 
greatest achievement, Sean, as well, is bringing a great Barcelona side to the Brandywell in 2003. Barcelona coming here, and they were massive. I mean, they had just seen Ronaldinho, who had just starred in the World Cup for Brazil. This was a big, big side. This, this was one of the biggest clubs in the world. We had all the players, all the world-class players, and there was him. He had no problem. He was such a big guy in Europe, in the European and Brussels. Of course, John will do it for you. We were sceptical, right, Barcelona. And these days, you know, you get a third or fourth thing. This was their top. This wasn't a bucket side like, like Liverpool or something like that. It was a real <laughs> football team. I mean, yeah, man, that's why it's yeah. <laughs> But no, it was a fabulous occasion that night. That place was absolutely, sadly, not like today, packed their rafters and all because of John Hume, 100% because of him and what he's done for this club. We were speaking off camera as well, Sean, when Manchester United came here, yeah. Sir Alex Ferguson made it his business to to pinpoint John Hume and go to meet him. It just shows how high he was held by, by everyone. Absolutely. When we spoke, uh, the, the Manchester United would be coming here. That was one of the requests from Alex Ferguson. Is there any chance I can meet John Hume? He had felt so strong. He had read enough about him. He had seen so much of him. Look, see him when they had all the matches here. You could see people nudging. You know, people see the away fans coming or away dignitaries and John would come up for a cup of tea. You'd see them all night. He was such a, such a big, big, you know person around the club around the city and everybody knew him I mean the big famous the Derry Guards and so on now the iconic moment in that is Bill Clinton you've seen it in the last series there but we've only watched Derry Guards but became quite big all over the, the UK and, and, and further afield and the iconic moment in that is when the wee guards are standing as Bill Clinton standing there and Bill Clinton's there because John Hume's there and John Hume's got his Derry City scarf on it's fantastic Listen Sean I really appreciate you taking the time to chat about the, the gentleman that was John Hume okay. okay thank you very much Badger, it's it's I don't know. Derry's Derry's a totally unique place. Um, without kind of we don't have enough time to go through it, but um, I've only visited briefly. Absolutely love the city. What's it like being involved there, and um, I suppose being part of a journey with Derry City? Yeah, well, look, uh, it's a great club. You know, it's a very it's, like it's a big homely club to tell you the truth. Like there's a lot of locals that are involved in the club, and uh, there's a lot of uh, people put you know like a lot of time that. Um, you know, into it and put their whole lives into it, as, as you say there, like, um, you know, like, like it's born and bred Derry, obviously the manager and all the backroom staff, like they're all Derry mad and through and through and even, um, you know, like their late captain, obviously, like Ryan McBride is a prime example and, um, you know, Mark Farron and all these, like, like legends up there and... Um, well, I was actually thinking of that the weekend, they have a stand and a ground named after two lads basically our age or thereabouts and it's just like, it's, the, the, the stuff this club and city has gone through is unbelievable. Yeah, no, it is to be fair and they have, like, uh, it is unbelievable, uh, like even from the last time I was there and uh, to even now, you know, like, uh, like uh, the work that's been done up there and there's so many nice people like involved in the club and like they do anything to help you and even the fans and that as well you know out in the streets and all like they're all they're all Derry City mad to tell you the truth like they're all football mad and uh, like it's a great place to play your football and um, you'll always be remembered there you know like they always support you and stuff like that and uh, like, they can't do enough to help you which is great Meeting your old buddy Shep on Saturday against Shelburne which is a fascinating game in Tolka Yeah no, it will be. It will be. Uh, it'll be good to see Shelf again. Uh, hopefully, we can obviously like, get a win and get us pushed up at uh, that table. I think where we should be. But look, it, like it's going to be a tough game. Um, Ian Morris has um, assembled a good squad there now as well. So look, um, it will be tough. But hopefully, then that we have our tactics right on the day and things go our way. And um, as I said, there, uh, hopefully we can get to three points. And you and Gary Deegan will be an interesting battle. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing against them there. So. Um, oh, nice. 
Yeah. That will be a combative one, actually. Yourself and Gary O'Neill had a good scrap on Sunday, actually. It was a, there was a nice bit of niggle in that game, actually. Uh, there was, there was. Now, to be fair, because they had a lot of the ball and it can be frustrating them when you don't touch the ball for so often. And You just kicked them, do you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the usual, Johnny. <laughs> Anyone comes near me. Fair Jack got it the other day as well, I think. <laughs> just on Jack, actually, what's it like playing against him? Is he that... Is he that bit different to sort of your average sort of player that you come up against, or? Yeah, like as like like at the technical ability of Jack is like you know like I'm not sure the league has had a play, like a player like him to tell you the truth in a long time, but uh, yeah, no, like he is a great player, and that's that was basically like a, one of our tactics is to keep him, you know, if, like you can keep him on the ball in his own half, and mm. um, great, you know, but like when he starts picking the balls up in little gaps and little areas behind. Obviously, the midfield, like uh, you're in trouble. So that's why we had to keep it tight, um, you know, and obviously try to stop him and force him back. And like yeah, that was, you know, like I said, that, that was part of a game plan. I thought it worked for so long. And um, like, like if you keep, like if you kept him quiet, you know, that you were keeping most of them quiet then. But look, okay, that was just such a big squad there as well. And Rory Gaffney come on and done well for them after mm. taking Green off. And, like it's like for like there and. Like they're so strong, but look to tell you the truth, like Jack is a like a great player, um, and I'm sure he'll go on to bigger and better things maybe in the next few years. Thanks a million for coming on, Connor. Thanks, no Connor. Enjoy it. All right, take care. Don't forget to visit lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook where you'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SSE or Tristy League Premier Division. This week, Lotto Land is combining the LOI and Champions League. So on Friday, it is boosting the Dock Cork and Barca treble uh, from 14.3 to 16. That's 15 to 1. On the Saturday, it boosts the favourites treble, Bowes, Derry and Man City. What can possibly go wrong? In my experience, lots. All to win from 5.3 to 6.0. That's 5 to 1 for layman's turn or lay-woman's terms, visit lotoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. Yeah, Dan, I don't know. He's, he's a great lad, Badger, obviously, and this is going to be a, a tie that Derry will definitely fancy their chance. I mean, he mentioned Lithuania. Lithuania, as you've said yourself, that they don't really get crowds in that region of the world. It's not going to be... Well... Going to be, obviously, the crowd isn't a big deal one way or the other in this, but this is a game they'll fancy they can win. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Like, the Lithuanian champions, though, sort of, they've been pretty good in recent years. So like, there's two ways of looking at Riterai, right? They're, they're sixth mm. in the Lithuanian league, but they're also bottom, because there's only six teams in their top division. Yeah. So we, like, we talk about, like, uh, you know, formats and so on. They've got some good results in Europe in recent years, Lithuania. Their, their results in Europe are a bit erratic, so it looks like a good draw, but I, but I, wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be so sure. But, um, you know, Derry are certainly... The way they're playing away from home, you can see them, you know, I assume it's going to be pretty warm over there and they have the ability to maybe absorb some and then hit them on the, hit them on the counter with the players they have. Um, but we shall see. But maybe we should talk about a team that, that might qualify for Europe for next season. And not only that, but actually made Derry look pretty crap when they played them recently. Uh, Sligo Rovers. Sligo Rovers, yeah. And we've got Ryan DeVries with us. So, uh, Ryan, you're very welcome to the show. Very welcome to the league, actually. It's obviously been a very strange... Uh, arrival for you because I think was it your first game was against Shamrock Rovers and then all of a sudden we we had a shutdown. Yeah, yeah, I think I was here for a week and a half in total, and then um, back to New Zealand. So I'm happy to be back. Wow. So Ryan, there's a there's a show uh, there's a dating show in this part of the world called Blind Date. Where at the start of it, this is some years back. Where at the start of it, we'd always you know Silla Black would say, "Tell us all about yourself and your background," but maybe. <laughs> We need to get a bit of your background because you're you're born in Cape Town, 
but your 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 basically your football career has largely been in New Zealand, but also a brief spell in Japan. So, yeah, just maybe a bit of background on on your career yeah, in football I, I, today. Silla Black would be really proud of what you did there, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I moved over. I was born in obviously in Cape Town, South Africa, and moved over to New Zealand when I was about sixteen, and pretty much then played um, national league, and then. Went and moved to a team called Auckland City and played a couple of Club World Cups. And that's sort of where everything sort of kicked off. And then I got the gig in Japan and um, I was there for two years. And that was a, a different experience um, footballing wise and, and also culturally. But it um, was good. And now I'm here. So uh, it's another, another challenge um, and, and something new. And I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's funny football. It's a small world sometimes, and in this league, the last couple of years, and particularly at Sligo, we've had a lot of players coming in from different backgrounds. I know you have a Finnish player there at the moment, and you have Will Seymour and people who've travelled. Like once you moved to Japan, once you got that initial move to Japan, did you almost reach a decision? You're thinking, yeah, I'm just going to travel with football now and and see where it takes me. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Like um, moving over and obviously seeing new things and, and, you know, you had to learn a little bit of the language and I sort of made a decision there. It was like, you know, whatever comes next, I'm, I'm willing to take it because it'll be something new. And, and when you look back at your, uh, when football's all done and you look back, you know, you can say, at least I gave it a crack and I went, I went to different places and, and yeah, I experienced football in different countries. So yeah, it was mm. definitely a big thing. Because like you were, you were what, it was 2018, was it, when you went to Japan? So you would have been, what, 26, 27. Yeah. Like, I, I've, I've spoken to Eric Malloy before, who played in, in the league in New Zealand, obviously, and he played, I think he, I don't know if you ever played with Eric. It might have been after that he was Auckland City. But um, like that, that league in New Zealand is, is sort of largely sort of amateur. I mean, were you doing another job there? or Were you full-time in New Zealand? Or what was your actual situation with football there? Oh, so it was it was part time. So the boys were working and during the day, and and then training in the evening. So yeah, we the club that I played for, we the coach that we had, he pretty pretty much wanted us as professional as possible. Mm. But obviously, with the league being um, amateur, it's it's quite difficult. So we had to train in the evenings, but we did everything a professional side would do, you know. So. That sort of prepared a lot of the boys that come from that team go on and, and crack on as, as professionals because they're used to that environment. So, yeah. Mm, but were you doing something else then or were you just yeah, playing football? Working part-time um, to fill in the hours. So, yeah. So, what were you doing? I was, uh, I was working in um, signage. So, we did sign writing and billboards and, and all of those. So, yeah, it was, that was my day job. Wow. And then, so, like, do you sort of appreciate your existence as a professional footballer a lot more now then? That, you know, you, yeah. you, you went through that education. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely different. I mean, every day you wake up and you go, oh, okay, got training today, got a double session. This, this is my job, you know, and this is, this is what I've always wanted to do and, and love doing. So you definitely appreciate it more when, I guess, you have to do the nine to five first before mm. before you get you get this so yeah japan must have been intriguing as well yeah japan was different very different 
very different tell um, us about that then like and just the culture over there I know I've, I've spoke to people who've been there absolutely rave about the country but what was it like from a football perspective as well it was different from what I was used to I mean coming into the dressing room for one like we always have the music playing and the boys are buzzing where we get off the bus and everyone's got their headphones on and sort of just very I can say very disciplined they go in and they sit there they unpack their bag they get their gear on they go and stretch and not Red much is said yeah yeah not much is said sort of leading up to the game and then as we got to warm up we'll have a little circle we'll talk about few things and then it's just work I guess you know put your head down do the job and you win the game you get on the bus and everyone's happy and then the music comes out and, and enjoyment starts there where yeah it's it's different you know you got the you get the banter with the boys and that's that's something we didn't have in Japan but good people unbelievable place to live mm. very technical very technical we had a few boys in the team that um, were just unbelievable Unbelievable, just left foot, right foot. You you wouldn't say, oh, he's a right-footed player. That's how good technically they were. Japanese guys. Yeah, Japanese boys. This well, the way the way Liam Buckley signs at Sligo, um, you know, it it wouldn't be a million to one that he would end up bringing someone from Japan on your recommendation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if 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 he is interested in looking over that way, and um, I know the player, I'll definitely recommend him, but. It, it all depends on, on the coach and, and the style of football. Yeah, because it's completely different. How do you reckon the people from Japan would settle into Sligo? I don't know. I mean, the, the Japanese are, are pretty open people. I mean, mm. they they um, they take every challenge like as it comes, you know, and, and they're all good for experiencing new things. So I think that's settling quite well. Well, what part of the world, what part of Japan were you in? Pardon my ignorance. You were playing for a team, was it... FC Gifu or Gifu or yeah. I don't know how you pronounce it but what yeah. part we were like probably an hour and a half bullet train outside of Tokyo so it was a small city but big uh, compared to uh, a few others so it was good it wasn't it was fairly fairly modern but uh, it was typical like you see in the Japanese movies you see the old buildings and then suddenly oh there's a brand new hotel so it was like yeah a, yeah uh, of both but it was a good experience the, the the thing the move to Sligo I mean for for so long Sligo's been a quite unique club in that it's like a very small provincial town but has a very outward kind of stance in terms of attracting players now you, the likes of Timu Penny Kangas obviously did you look at his Instagram before you signed him was that kind of I suppose what put you over the line Um, I, I watched a few games I, I actually had a chat to Liam maybe a couple of weeks before I sort of made my decision and he was just talking, talking to me about Sligo and, and his plans and, mm. and so on and so forth. So I got a chance to watch, I think it was two games um, that the boys played. And um, unfortunately they, we were going through a lot of injuries at that time, but you know, I sat down with my family and I said, what do you guys think? And my wife was happy and I said, you know, let's go give it a crack. She was Why happy not? with the quality of the football or the fact that you were moving to Sligo? <laughs> <laughs> she, she's always said to me, it doesn't matter where we go so long as we're together. Oh, well, that's <laughs> oh look at that. I mean, can we just end the show I thought, the, I thought the blind date reference is yeah. bad <laughs> enough. <laughs> we've got Silla Black and we've got Italian women and now we got this. This is just... Oh, no. Uh, uh, that's just beautiful. But how have you actually settled to, to the area? Oh, she then? settled in, actually. Yeah. 
What's that? How have you guys settled in? Yeah, well, she's obviously back in New Zealand because the, um, mm. the the lead's much shorter than what it would have been. So but it just oh. made sense for, for myself to come over and, and play. So, yeah, so they get up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning to watch the games. <laughs> so they committed. So they have, they've got the streaming service now then, yeah. haven't they? They've got the, yeah, I've got a few few mates um, that's got the streaming service and they're all up and watching the game, so it's good. Your 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 reaction post lockdown, because it's 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 absolutely mad how things can change so quickly. You're going into the resumption from lockdown, everyone's like, Oh, Sligo can't score goals, haven't won a game, and then you kind of routinely be Sterry and Shamrock and Shelburne and it's like ah, yeah, everything's grand again. Yeah, I mean, I think with with this whole break, no one no one's sort of expected it, and um, for us, it was a chance for for the boys that were injured to to sort of get back to at least 70 percent. You know, where they probably stand a chance of at least getting a few games before before the league ends. And I think just coming back now, um, it was just a different feeling in the camp. Um, I guess when we joined the boys after we had the, the quarantine, there was just a different feeling. And the boys had just a little bit, you could see in their eyes, the, the hunger was back. And I think they were just like, you know, it's it's not a clean slate, but we can kick off now because, you know, we've had this break. There's no excuse. Everyone's gone through the same thing. So mm. let, let's just try to get the, the, the points on the board again. And what that's it. Uh, so. Sorry, yeah. What have you made as a standard of the League of Ireland? Yeah, I've only played two games and um, obviously well, three with, with Shams and, and playing oh, against them. Calling them Shams already. Or He's on message. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think they all get a style guide when they join, Johnny. Like <laughs> Rory Houston just fills it in. The little green book. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So after after playing then you can see that it's a, a different outfit compared to, to some of the teams in the league. But um, at, uh, from my, my, perspective, my perspective, it's a we definitely stand a chance of of climbing up the the. the well, you've got to be looking at Europe now because it's just it's it's a short campaign. You've you've been really good in your last two games. Why not? Yeah, I mean, definitely that's that's definitely in the back of everyone's head. But at the moment, it's just game by game for us. You know, we, we just need to, to put the the points on the board and and sort of let let the results take care of itself. You know, mm. not far ahead. Because you don't want to be looking at Europe going, yeah, we can do it, we can do it. And then we let it slip and it's suddenly out of our reach. And then we get another slump. So we've just got to take it game by game and just just put the points on the board, like I said. Ryan, was it always certain that you were going to come back? I mean, obviously, you know, New Zealand's been held up as somewhere that's, that's handled itself very well through the pandemic. And, you know, it's, 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 it's had a good sort of a relatively clean bill of health as such. And just travel has just become a weird thing generally. Like, was there ever a question mark over your return this season? Or how were you following the, the whole debate about whether our football would even come back during that time? Yeah, we, there, there was obviously, it was up in the air. And, and um, we were sort of waiting for, while well, we were in New Zealand looking at the cases over here and just around the world. We mm. sort of waited for, I think as my dad said, the moment the Premier League is back and like all the big leagues are starting to get back, there's definitely a chance that you'll start back up because if they found a way to get things going, then surely everyone else is looking at the same thing. So there was always in the back of the head, uh, in my head, that there's definitely a good chance of us coming back, but it's just 
how the league would be formatted, I guess, being, you know, being out so long. So, yeah, I was definitely always, I was speaking to Liam quite a bit. So, and it was every time he's like, oh, we'll be back next month. We'll be back next month. <laughs> and then that month would pass and he'd be like, we'll be back soon. We'll be back soon. So, yeah, it was in the back of my head that there was a good chance of coming back. Dan obviously referenced the fact that, you know, there aren't that many kind of more elderly players in the League of Ireland now. By managerial standards, Liam Buckley is a complete outlier because um, he is a veteran of the game at this stage, but he's obviously made a good impression on you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, of the conversations I've had with him and, and the plan that he sort of has in place um, really, really got to me. And I said, you know what, I want to be a part of that. And yeah, he's... he's Easy, easy coach to work with. Our whole coaching staff is is it's good to work with. You know, they understand the players and and everyone gets behind um, what Liam's saying. So, yeah, it's good. I presume it's it's not it's not going to be lost on you that you've such a strong ex Cork City connection in that dressing room. You're thinking of Buckley, Colin, um, JD, Johnny Dunleavy, obviously. And yeah. you, 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 I presume you have like you, lots of chat about. Cork, I suppose the, the counterpoint to that is like not a lot of these players that these lads would have played with are there. They've had a lot of changes, but this is a big, big game, and you're obviously targeting three points on Friday at Turner's Cross. Yeah, I mean, there's a massive game for us because we're on a run now, and obviously the boys would like to keep this going, and I'm sure it's going to be a tough game, but we've just got to go out there and play to our strength and 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 hopefully cut them down on where they're good at and, and capitalise on that. Just finally, Ryan, before we let you go, I mean, what are your thoughts for the future? I mean, as you mentioned, it's a very short, short-term short league now um, and uh, like the world that we live in, obviously, you know, we're, we're wondering what the implications are for travel over the next while. Like, where do you see your future? Yes, that's, a, that's a good question and a very difficult one too. I mean, um, as, as of now, just get through this league. Get finish as high as possible, and and we'll see what happens after. You know, um, with like with this year, it's pretty much gone so fast, and it's been difficult for everyone. So I think my goal now is just to finish this this um, remaining games that we have, finish as high as possible. Hopefully, make it into Europe, and then we'll see what happens next year. I guess we we got to ask you: Was it still a black tie thing? Was it a blind date? How you met your wife, or? Uh, how did it all work out? Oh, so, um, so she actually came to my school um, back in New Zealand. and She I was knew the same her. age as you now, I hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same age as me. How, what yeah. ages were you at the time? Uh, 17. Ah, that's uh, just lovely. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's been good. And I know, I know we've had, like Sligo Rovers have had their share of and um, players, you know, playing the long distance relationship with, with their wives and so forth. But uh, I, I, I think yours is going to work out very well. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Top man, Ryan. Thank Cheers, you. Man. Thanks so much. Legend, thank no you. Worries. Yeah, that was Ryan DeVries. Uh, thanks to the two lads, uh, two fairly intriguing interviews this week. Um, we obviously had a lot of fascinating results. Just to mention the first vision results, UCD 3, Shamrock Rovers 2, one, uh, the second Shamrock Rovers team going down to UCD. Wexford and Cabo, nil all. Great result for Wexford, that considering how Cabo have been doing. The Drogs, Super Drogs, back in winning ways, beating Bray 3-1. Cove 2, Galway 2. Blown a, Galway blown a, a lead it's after the, going... It's the weekly, weekly lament. 
this is not this is not good, Dan. Francie Lombardo, though, um, another of these kind of uh, sons of immigrant type uh, young kids in Ireland doing extremely well um, uh, with another goal there. I forgot it wasn't enough though. Longford 2 at lone nil. Um, and in the first division this week, uh, we've some very interesting fixtures again. Galway play Longford, Cabinteely, Cove, Bray, UCD at Lone, Drogheda, Shamrock Rovers uh, play Wexford. And in the Premier Division, we've referenced these already to an extent. Dundalk uh, at home to Watford playing Watford yet again. Cork at home to Sligo, Harps welcome Bohemians, Shell, Derry, and to me, no doubt, the tie of the of the week is Shamrock Rovers visiting St. Patrick's on Sunday. Dan? Yeah, it's a good round of games. I suppose the, the Cork game is interesting to see if they get any momentum from the Cup win. Good result in Watford as well, to be fair. Yeah, but I, I actually just, I watched that game and like, I mean, Cork were still relying late on like, some great defender by Alan Bennett, you know, the old mm. dogs of war. Like when you consider that Waterford team was back and training late, um, okay, they've they've signed some good players, but even even watching them in the cup game last night, John Sheridan has definitely put a shape on them and a, and a structure yeah. on them. And they're in every game they're finishing their, uh, with the exception of the Shells game where they flagged, but I thought they finished the game strongly at the weekend. And um, you know they they finished even the game in Oriel last night. To be honest, I looked at the game on Saturday and thinking if that's a good point for Cork. Where are they going to get the other points from? In some degree, because they were hanging in there a bit at the end. But like they, they they were hanging, and they could easily have lost that game. And the whole language of that game, well, you know, you would have been talking about another defeat. So I couldn't really take much encouragement from that, from a Cork perspective. Just from watching it, there was the odd moment, but but not enough. But I think last night, um, it'd be interesting to see if it generates any momentum for them. They're down to ten men. Okay, there was a cup game, so there was a bit of t- tinkering with the team. But even those scenes after the young lad, Ricardo Denango, steps up from the 19s to score an amazing goal. Obviously, with Neil Fenn, there was the whole Longford angle. And the celebrations were, like, frenzied afterwards. On the counter to that, I watched Harps and Pats, as I think you did as well. Harps do not look like a team that are going down on that performance. Um who else are you left with? You know, you're well, like, yeah. Well, the thing is, though, their league games haven't been great. You know, mm, they lost five in the bounce. The way they played on Monday night, they're not getting relegated. Um, to my mind, anyway. Well, I don't know. And who else is there, Dan? Then it's like so. You know, this. If I'm putting forward this for Cork, just in terms of they do need to pick up points quickly. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Like, I, I that's why I still fear for them, to be honest, because mm. Waterford looked pretty solid, and I thought Waterford were one that would drop like a stone potentially. Mm just with all that was going on at the club, they're still not, by the way, satisfactory answering questions about their uh, COVID delay yeah. um, you know, and the club doctor leaving. They're just not embracing those questions at all. Tried to ask about it last night. Didn't really uh, get too far with it. Um, but yeah, that is a problem for Cork. There's no doubt like, that you're looking at who they're going to finish ahead of. Harps, I would say, like, they, they were very solid on Monday against Pats who are maddenly frustrating Pats. And I yeah. wonder, like, are Pats just more comfortable in a game again where they're the underdog and will they be better against Rovers on Sunday? I suspect they will. I should mention that since we've been doing this show, the FAI Cup draw has taken place. So what have you got for us? So FAI Cup draw, we've got UCD at home to Sligo Rovers. We've got yep. Bray Wanderers at home to Finn Harps. Um, we actually have a lot of First Division v Premier games in this. We've got Bohemians against Cabin Uh The tie of the round is Cork City away to Shamrock Rovers. That's uh, not, is that the tie of the round? Yes, that that, that probably even vaguely uh, interesting. That game. Uh, well, actually, maybe the next game possibly is more interesting is draw the United at home to Derry City. 
That's yeah. absolutely more interesting. Uh, a good chance. And then we've got Athlone Town against Wexford Youths. So we're going to have a first division underdog in the quarterfinals. Cove Ramblers are home to Dundalk. Bit of history in recent years of Cove right, and League Cup and all that. games. And then finally, uh, your beloved Galway United at home to Shelburne. So yeah, that's not a great draw to be no, fair. No, well, it, but it, it, see, the significant aspect of this draw, you see, is that everyone who wins this round, their season goes into November. Mm. So uh, whoever loses here, they don't have to worry about contracts beyond the end of it. But it extends the season of everyone who gets through. So uh, Galway United used to have a sign at the games, no soup till November. And then it was kind of played as that, you know, gone till November. We, yeah. so it was like a chant because in the old days in the, the, the Winter League, if we, if we even remember that, um, Galway United had some great soup, but not till November because um, it was just too warm before that, obviously, on the Western Coast. That, that, do you know what? That's, that's probably one of the best responses to the cup draw I've ever heard. From Silla Black. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. I, I don't know where that was coming from. Silla Black on the soup. But, uh, you're, you're on holidays next week, are you? Will you, will you be, uh, you're taking a break, I believe. I'll take a week up, but I'll, I'll still be doing the podcast, don't worry. But, uh, You'll be, be watching, at a game at the weekend? Uh, possibly not, possibly mm. not. But I mean, with the, the service... streaming now, is great though, isn't it? I'll be watching you all of them. Uh, you sent us uh, on the group, you sent like uh, a photo of your TV on Monday night and it was like, how mad is this just watching a, kind of a random game like this on a Monday night on your TV? And it is like, if you had crowds of these games that are being streamed, um, and I'm not trying to downplay anything here in terms of where the rights are going or whatever, but it is pretty class to have access to all these games. Yeah, I think we're we're getting very spoiled now. The, mm. so, particularly some of these Monday, Tuesday night games, like they disappear into a vortex. Like you know, it's like they've never happened. You know, you yeah. get you get a few paragraphs in the paper, and okay, you you follow it online, but the goals mightn't appear. Like you're very reliant on on various technologies. Whereas now, like you have that moment, like that like that cork goal you know 120 a minute last night and like I'm coming out of Oriel able to look at it on my phone I mean for, for a small league um, we, we have to be doing this so whatever wherever we go from here uh, we, we probably can't go too far back from what we're doing at the moment um, I know obviously when fans go back to games that's obviously going to impact on, on audiences and whatnot but actually I, I think people do enjoy watching teams and other games and, mm-hmm. and you know like I know a lot of people in life who who get to a stage where maybe they're not in their twenties or thirties or in the, the the stage where they can travel to all their away games with the freedom that they previously could have, and they can still watch their team play. So, um, that's definitely something we have to embrace. But yeah, we'll move on. I, I'm not sure. What, like next week, we may we may actually be reflecting on the Dundalk game next week when when we do the show. Realistically, I think we probably will. It'll be after the Celia game, um. So. Yeah, we'll 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 have a lot more about the mood music around the dock and the league then, uh, and obviously with the Europa League games of the following week. So hopefully we've got a good European campaign to look forward to. You sort of intimated that Dundalk not only needed to to get a result, but sort of needed to win against Bowes. Um, they didn't. They didn't get a result of any description, and then Derry couldn't get an equaliser against Shamrock Rovers, which obviously begs the question. Is the title race over? Well, you, you did text into our group, uh, you know, league over, which I know is almost a skit on, on last year. But, I mean, it really is getting to that stage. I certainly think, again, like Robert Pats away is a game that, albeit Pats have been hot and cold, like it's a tough game for them. You know, it's a Absolutely. tough game for Rovers. They were, they were very they good in that one, late last season. If, yeah, they, they, if, they, if, they, if they win that one, if, if Rovers win that one, I, I mean, I just don't know what you're getting to the stage where you're thinking what's going to happen. I know they still have to play Bowes and Talla, and I know that's like Sligo Rovers are improving. But actually, as well, all these discussions are based, it's been like 2017 to some degree. Um, like all these discussions are based on 
almost on Dalk winning all of their games. And at the moment, like, you know, you, you wouldn't be confident about them going on that run. But the one thing I did touch on about McElhenney is that I found last year, even with Dundalk, that the European games, they come out of Europe in very good form because yeah. it's almost like you're playing against a better level of opponent. And, and you know, and obviously the, the, that, that game focuses the minds from whatever drag they've had. But honestly, like, I mean... I reckon if you offer... Rovers look very... Like, like they just look like they have the depth to overcome yeah. a lot of adversity. And if they can, if they can beat Pats at the weekend... You know where where are they gonna where are they gonna drop off? If if you offered like in a kind of a gun to the head situation, um, not not an NRA gun now, but an actual fictional gun. If you were to say a to toy get, gun, a toy gun, like you know the way they, but that wouldn't be that threatening though. It wouldn't because they replaced the emoji of the gun, which I use a lot on, on WhatsApp. They replaced it with a toy gun, and in any event, so you're putting up a toy gun to to Alan. Re- <laughs> Fancy putting up a, toy, a gun of any description to Alan Reynolds' head, actually. To Alan Reynolds, Vinnie Perth, Giller, and uh, Shane Keegan, the, their their burgeoning management team is like lads. You're going to have to give up on the league, but we will guarantee you that you uh, you beat the Slovenians. I think they're going to take that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a hell of a scenario. Um, the, and as I said earlier, like the the twenty the twenty twenty league is so significant for next year. But it, it at the same time, like yeah, it could save the 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 perception of the year could be saved by getting through a round or two in Europe. You know, and financially, um, that yeah. that's the, that's that's the struggle they're going to face. But um. Yeah. Our, we'll yeah, review in due course we will our thanks again to our sponsors Lotto Land you can dream big for your Euro Millions and Irish Lotto betting but also check out the top SSE or Tristy League and European qualifier markets at lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook thanks to Ryan DeVries thanks for his very loyal and loving wife and thanks to Badger uh, Conor McCormick for coming on uh, reliably informs you that he's gone off to work on his tan since the interview and thanks to Dan thanks to you for listening but there are limits to your life